Thanks to ZocDoc for supporting the Apple Bits XL. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who accept your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or video chat. Go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Um, this podcast will have, yes, the latest news. If you're new to this show, this is kind of the weekly recap or a summary of what's been going on lately inside and outside the world of Apple. But this is a special episode. I guess you could kind of say it's a special episode because... I've got to tease to you, if you're listening to this right now, we are just hours before my music video, the new music video drops. I've been teasing it on social media. If you follow my YouTube channel, you can see it there. The name of the music video is called I'm a Need a New iPhone. It is a parody of the Silk Sonic Leave the Door Open with Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack, and um, yeah. That's all I can say. I mean, by the time many of you listen to it, maybe you've already seen the music video, but this legitimately took me about a year to make, and um, it has been, I mean, I I can't hype it up anymore, but I don't know if I can top this one. I really don't, but damn, it was fun, and if it wasn't that great to you, you can let me know, but hopefully you enjoy it. So please check out the music video. You know, it's kind of one of those passion projects. It's not about the views. It's literally because... It brings me happiness, and uh, look, to be honest with you, I don't make money on it anyways because it violates all uh, music copyrights anyway, so I just put it out for fun, and I'm just curious what you all think, so check it out. Now, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support my content, and literally, your support does allow me to pursue some of these fun projects that are within the world of what I cover, but allow me to do, you know, kind of be passionate and play in that sandbox. So it starts at $2 per month. $5 is like a cup of coffee. You've got the $10, the $25, and the $100 Platinum Apple level. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is really how you support all my content. You get bonuses at different levels. You get early access to content and a completely ad-free version of this show. Uh, You won't hear any of this if you support me on the Patreon and that's how you do it. So patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Also, look, I'd love to hear from you all. Man, maybe you have some feedback about that music video. Maybe you don't. All you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone, whatever platform it's on, on your laptop, your tablet, wherever you're on. Send it out to applebitsshow at gmail.com. Applebits with A-Z, your name, where you're from, what do you want to talk about? I know the season is wrapping up. We just had our What Apple Got Right and what Apple Got Wrong episode. Maybe you have some comments on that as well. Just come on out. I don't bite, and it's always great to hear from you. Okay, so, you know, I do want to talk about the music video really quickly because, you know, when you use Apple devices, you kind of really get to understand just how deep and how helpful the ecosystem is. There are some shots that were shot on iPhone. The majority of shots were shot with the Sony A7S III. They they look gorgeous. I went out to Joshua Tree with a team of three people and then myself, so basically four of us. And for four of us to be able to shoot this and basically, let's see, we did some of the green screen shots on one night. 
and then we did shots on location for a day and a half. And then the music video was edited in another day and a half. So we crunched this in. I mean, I was, you know, I wanted to get this out before the end of the year. But the fact that on my M1 Max MacBook Pro, this project had, I think if I checked, 28 layers of video, 20 channels of audio, all 4K video, a couple iPhone video clips, but 4K video 28 layers and then we sliced it and diced it from there uh i think it it chugged once when we were doing a bunch of compositing that you'll see in the beginning but other than that i mean we were surprised how it kept on keeping up and it just reminds me when you can push the these devices that hard they're absolutely incredible and then you know we didn't get new macbook pros this year we were expecting maybe they'd come by the end of the year we didn't get the new mac pro but the latest report from bloomberg's mark german says that apple is still continuing to test the all-new mac pro with an m2 ultra chip but the company's likely scrapped any of their plans to release the higher rumored so-called let's call it the m2 extreme chip according to bloomberg's mark german now this is I debated. I actually pre-ordered a Mac Studio with the M M1 Ultra in it, but then I I just kind of held off because I wanted to see what the new Mac Pro would have, and if these reports are true, maybe I might end up getting a Mac Studio because in my review video where I tested it out with a professional 3D motion graphics artist, the visual the head of visual concept design for Marvel Studios, <laughs> Andy Park there was so much headroom. Those two pros and myself as a video editor were extremely impressed that I I don't, I really don't need a more powerful computer, but if there becomes some sort of an M2 ultra max studio next year, I would probably jump on that. So in the latest report, German says that this new Mac pro that Apple did, you know, promise to get out, I believe roughly around two years or so. It's still in testing. It will be available with a 24-core CPU up to a 76-core GPU and at least 192 gigs of RAM. So this will likely still be an expandable model. You could add more memory, add more storage, potentially put in more card slots for customization, whether you you want a, uh, like a graphics, a more intense graphics card, you know, maybe audio processing cards, but this higher-end model that was rumored, this M2 Extreme chip, that was rumored to have a 48-core CPU, so twice as much as the M2 Ultra chip, and up to a 150-core GPU, they the report says that the configuration was scrapped due to the cost and manufacturing complexities of this beast. So if you look at their current pricing structure and what they've talked about internally, an M2 Extreme version of a Mac Pro would likely cost somewhere at least around $10,000 before any other upgrades, which would make it super niche. I Look, I don't need a $10,000 computer. And it wasn't worth the development costs, the resources, the production, all the bandwidth around it that it would require to put out a product like this. I think it's a smart move. I mean, if you look at the current Intel-based Mac Pro, which was released in 2019... That thing itself starts at 
$5,999. So, eh-eh. Eh-eh. I'm not going to 10. I don't know. I don't need a 10K machine. So, um, it will launch at some point. There is not a specific time frame, but 2023, we will expect to see the Mac Pro. And the reality is that the Mac Pro itself is already a pretty niche product. So they didn't, if they go niche, niche, that doesn't make sense. Also reports about the new MacBook Pro models to launch in early 2023 and possibly an iMac with an M3 chip. We do expect to see new 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros with the new M2 Pro and M2 Max chip options sometime early next year. Now I'm curious about the the gains here because in most cases going from an M1 to an M2, we saw somewhere around, I think around 15 to 20% CPU gains running intensive video tests. I mean, even if you're talking about something like a four or five minute video, the difference in rendering out a video like that was somewhere around, I think around 10 to 20 seconds. So that's not enough for me to say, look, I've got to have the M2. Now, if I'm in the market for a new machine, yeah, I will. But the actual bump in speed wasn't that big of a difference. Also, the M1 Pro and the M1 Max has Apple's super fast, high-powered video encoding engine that is specific for multimedia people like myself and won't affect people that don't deal with multimedia. So even if it got somewhere around a 20% boost in gains because of M1 generation to M2 generation, that's still not enough uh, for someone like me to upgrade in. That's okay. I don't need to upgrade every year. I don't. And no major changes are really expected for these new models. Uh, still the same body, upgraded processors, and possibly some faster RAM. But that's about it. So it'll most likely launch sometime around, you know, maybe mid-2023. I mean, early next year. I don't know. Are we talking about a March time frame? We know that Apple does March announcements, then they do WWDC, but depending on where they are with their product lineup, maybe we don't see them until WWDC. My, I'm going to, because we've heard that they were probably pretty close to being ready, I'm going to guess that we will see some sort of announcement in that March timeframe, and we have over the past, I don't know how many years. So something will be coming out around that time. Also, a new iMac with an M3 chip probably will launch at the end of of the year at the earliest there were no other major details given in the report the current iMac which I loved I thought it was a great product with the M1 launched in April of 2021 right we had the super slim design all the different colors kind of a throwback to the retro iMacs that really invigorated and made it I never bought one because I'm not going to buy every computer Apple puts out but I I loved using it and I thought it's a perfect home computer so we'll see what happens with that and then because the an iMac Pro still reportedly is a product that Apple is interested in, but it's been facing a lot of delays internally. There's no word if like a larger screen iMac Pro will be coming out anytime soon. And then the report also says that Apple continues to test new Mac mini models with an M2, an M2 Pro chip options, but no time frame there. So look, we're just talking about Macs. We're not even talking about New iPhones, new iPads, new Apple. Oh, yeah, and those Apple glasses, virtual reality, augmented reality headset, those are also expected. And maybe we see a new AirPods Max or not. I don't know. Remember a few episodes ago, I talked about how I started finally seeing AirPods Max in the wild. And now during the holidays, I've seen so many because Amazon started selling them for around like 400 449 instead of 549 And people are now buying them. 
not at the price that Apple wanted, but that $400 is that sweet spot. Another report also said that Apple is working on new monitors, including an updated Pro Display XDR. That is their large, big beast, 32-inch display that is not mini LED. It's a backlit display. It has a stand. It starts at uh, $4,999, and it's still held that price. It was complimentary to the Mac Pro that was announced in December of 2019. So the the monitor is expected to be powered by Apple Silicon, just like the most recent studio display that has an A13 Bionic chip, but there's no other details other than, hey, they're working on new monitors, and the logical thing would be to see a new monitor with a new Mac Pro. Still no word or confirmation if it's actually mini LED or not, but... Updates and rumblings and rumors by display analyst Ross Young, who's been pretty on the money, says that Apple was planning to launch a new 27-inch mini LED display sometime in the first quarter of 2023. Maybe it's a studio display mini LED, but not a pro display XDR mini LED, not yet at least, which would be kind of crazy if we saw that, but we'll see what happens. You've got to... Look, I think it's about time to bring ProMotion to these higher-end displays and mini-LED, and we'll see how that comes together. But until then, we're, we're still in a holding pattern. And then finally, I think the product that... I don't know... Okay, how about this? Let's throw it out there. I don't need this, but I'd be really intrigued by it. A 15.5-inch MacBook Air is expected to potentially launch in spring of 2023, according to display analyst Ross Young. So we're sticking with Macs right now. This is a 15.5-inch MacBook Air that is expected to start being in production. Now, we know that we have the 14 and 16-inch Pro models, but this would be the largest MacBook Air to date. Now, these rumors have been going on for maybe like six months or so, but when I heard about them, I instantly said this is a no-brainer. And the reason why is if you look at Apple's current product lineup and their current pricing, right now, there's this huge gap that from an entry-level MacBook Air with an M2 processor and the current 14-inch MacBook Pro with an M1 Pro processor, right now, this is, we're talking base models, not customized yet, but a base model M2 MacBook Air starts at $1199. A 14-inch MacBook Pro with an M1 Pro processor starts at $1,999. So basically $1,200, $1,000. You're telling me there's nothing There's nothing in between there? Like to, knowing how Apple wants to get you at every price point, that's a, what, $700, $800. That's an $800 gap. And you put something in between there that's four hundred dollars more. That throw so you now have like a twelve hundred dollar MacBook Air. Then you have a sixteen hundred dollar fifteen point five inch MacBook Air, and then you have a two thousand dollar MacBook Pro fourteen inch. That makes absolute sense to me for this product to exist, even though it doesn't exist yet. Um. Earlier, Young had said the display would be around 15.2 inches. He now is reporting that it'll be 15.5 inches. 
Same general design as the MacBook Air, if you love that, from 2022. The flat edges, the rounded corners, the large force-touch trackpad, MagSafe charging port. I mean, the M2 MacBook Air, I say it over and over, it was one of my highlights of the year. And still, in my opinion, without knowing any sales data whatsoever, is likely the best-selling Mac of this year. It's a no-brainer. It's also this M2 MacBook Air 15.5-inch version is not expected to have the same mini-LED display or ProMotion technology that the pros have because, come on, everybody, we got to save that for the pros. They're not going to get it, but this makes 100%, 100% (laughs) sense. Is that even a word? To be a new product that's coming sometime soon. I would be surprised if it didn't. All right, everybody. Big thanks again to ZocDoc for supporting the Apple Bits XL. If you're a fan of it, hey, guess what? Sushi, it is incredible. But gas station sushi, not so much. Finding the right sushi, it makes all the difference. And the same goes for finding the right doctor. With ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighborhood. One that makes you feel like you're in good hands, you're supported, and you're heard, even if you're telling them about your favorite sushi place. Now on ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Just search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. Find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments, and now when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that is right for you, and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc when they need to find and book a quality doctor. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. So go to ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits, ZocDoc.com slash AppleBits. All right. Uh, if you didn't notice just a few days ago, at least from you know from the time that this is being recorded, Apple released the latest software updates. You had iOS 16.2, iPadOS 16.2, macOS Ventura 13.1, watchOS 9.2. I mean, look, the biggest, most popular update would obviously be iOS 16.2, which does affect everyone. So, you know, just kind of wanted to run down a list of some of the features just to let you know what is important for you. Now, I think under the hood, arguably the most important thing would be their new advanced data protection. This was introduced last week and talked about, but it now expands end-to-end encryption to additional iCloud data categories. So advanced data protection, this is opt-in. So you have to go into the settings, go into iCloud, and go into advanced data protection to use it. But this encrypts iCloud backups, message backups, iCloud Drive content, your notes, photos, reminders, voice memos, Safari bookmarks, Siri shortcuts, and wallet passes. With the update, almost all your iCloud data is going to be protected with the exception of mail, contacts, and calendars because these are these are still apps that are needed to use and, be, and interoperate with systems that are using older legacy technologies. Um, this is opt-in because Apple cannot restore your data 
if you lose your password. So you need to make sure this is one of those really serious things that it can encrypt and protect you, but you cannot forget your password. So uh, yeah, don't do that. Also, the Freeform app, which is available on not only iOS 16.2, iPadOS 16.2, and macOS Ventura 13.1. This is like their whiteboard app. The best way that I describe it is like if Keynote, which I love, Keynote is their their PowerPoint equivalent, but I think it's an amazing app. It's if you said, hey, Keynote, go make a baby with a whiteboard app and allow everyone on Apple's platform to use it in the cloud to collaborate. That's what Freeform is. It is a free app. It is part of the update. You could do things like add shapes, sketches, you could put in links, contacts, videos, photos, jot down notes. It is literally, a, I guess you could almost call it like an infinite whiteboard because you can continue to add to it. You can zoom in, you can move around, you can see when people are collaborating on it real time. If you want, you can do a FaceTime video call through SharePlay and then collaborate as well. Like for me, I don't really have a use, uh, a big use case for this, but I think what's cool is that there's some fun, creative things that you'll be able to do with it. And I think this is great for business. I think even families might be able to collaborate on this. You could even maybe just do some fun things like play tic-tac-toe games. It's one of those apps that we're just going to have to wait and see how people use it. But if you're a company that is all on Apple devices, I think this could be really advantageous for you. And clearly, it was made internally by Apple for Apple, and then they release it to the public. So check out the Freeform app. The other thing you have in iOS 16.2, Apple Music Sing. I think I talked about it last week. I might have, but I'm still excited about it. This is if you're an Apple Music subscriber. It's a feature that you already have the ability to get lyrics on your songs, but you'll see kind of like this volume slider on the right-hand side, whether you're on iPad or on your iOS uh, iPhone device. And you can scroll up and down, and it basically uses like a filter to remove remove the lyrics, the singing, the vocals as much as possible. You you pull it all the way down. You can still like faintly hear it, really faint, but it's kind of like it is basically the new upcoming version of karaoke for your iPhone and for your Apple devices. It works on Apple TV as well. My suggestion, I said in my recent video, is that hey, this is awesome, but Let's really amp this up as a karaoke experience. Right now, you can like sing out loud, or maybe you have a Bluetooth connected speak uh, microphones that are separate from your phone. But I think they need to allow us to use our phone as the microphone. Give us a slider to add some cool, fun reverb effect. And if you have an Apple TV and an iPhone and an Apple Music subscription to make this like a true ecosystem play, let's use our phones as the mic to sing into the TV, hear it through the TV. And if you have a nice speaker system, you hear it through your speakers. That would be pretty, pretty darn amazing. You also have Stage Manager. This is their new user experience and UI to be able to deal with multiple windows and multiple apps on iPad and also on the Mac. I'm, I don't use it, honestly, because it is... It's interesting, but I just don't think it's clean enough. And also, I buy a big tablet, and then when I use it, it shrinks down the windows too much. And I'm like, that's not the... I got this large screen so I could use a large screen. Stage Manager now has external display support. So when you connect it to a display 
this will allow M1 and M2 iPads to use that extra real estate on an external display. You get, it supports up to eight apps for multitasking. And again, this is limited to M1 and M2 iPads. If you recall, it first rolled out and said, oh, it's only for the M2. And people are like, what? And then Apple kind of backtracked and said, oh, it will be available for M1 and M2, which is a good thing. Uh, there's also an option to drag and drop a window from the iPad to the external monitor that's connected to your device. Um, dragging windows from one device to another is also new to the iOS 16.2 update. There's a new home app architecture, and now Matter support is sl- slowly but surely starting to roll out. There's also a new kind of visual user experience for the new home app. Some people actually complained it kind of reset some things. And interestingly enough, uh, my smart lights have been great, but like a couple of them are acting up, and I'm wondering if it's related to the new home app or not. I'm not sure. Um, And the biggest kind of day-to-day thing that you'll see is, remember, the new feature of the 14 Pros was the always-on display and the fact that it dims, but you can still see your wallpaper, which I love. And we talked about this with Ray Wongi. Well, they are now, in 16.2, added a toggle that allows you to disable the ability to see your wallpaper really dim and even notifications. So basically, it turns into a black screen with either the widget you have and the time, but nothing else. So it's treating the lock screen like Android has always done it, and it's giving you the option to do that by disabling your wallpaper notifications for the always-on display. And then um, AirDrop works a little differently now. By default, it's set to contacts only instead of just looking for everyone that is available. This change was a little controversial because this change to only send out your contacts only by default happened during the protests in China. They're protesting for human rights um, because of how they've been treated during the COVID lockdown, and they were sending information to each other via airdrop. So the it used to be, hey, send it to everyone. This change actually happened in China first to be contacts only, but you can manually go into the settings and set it airdrop to be for everyone for 10 minutes. But in case of people trying to organize, that means everyone would have to turn on, go into their settings, flip on everyone for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, it switches back to contacts only. You can switch it back to everyone for 10 minutes, but it's kind of a pain in the butt, if you know what I mean. There's some also some cool lock screen sleep widgets that show your sleep quality and measurements and a lock screen medication widget that is new to iOS 16.2 that shows uh, if you have medication scheduled today or not. So check it out. Um, There's some TV app live sports scores that have been integrated uh, for select sports games. I haven't been able to see it yet, but I want to see live sports scores with Dynamic Island on an also on that notification screen to really make my phone feel alive. And then the weather app, it now shows news stories related to your local weather, and then you can see them kind of right within the app. I like that a lot because it just kind of adds another layer uh, to the iPhone. So iOS 16.2 so far, actually, from what I can tell and from what I've heard, pretty stable. So check that out as well. Now we're going to stick with the iPhone because remember iPhone really, iPhone 14, 14 Pro, they those both really pushed their new satellite feature where if you get in trouble, you have an area with no signal, if you case emergency, you can use it. Well, this just recently happened. I mean, I knew we'd start hearing stories about it, but not this early. This happened um, to a couple that fell into a rocky canyon 
in the Angeles National Forest. They, I guess the vehicle, something happened. We don't know exactly how they lost control, but on the road, their vehicle fell roughly 300 feet off of a, you know, kind of exposed section of the Angeles Forest Highway where there is no cell service whatsoever. Um, And in the past, based on the report, sheriffs have only responded to this area in case of fatal crashes. So it's a big fall distance-wise, but the canyon is really steep. Well, the couple that fell into the canyon had recently upgraded to iPhone 14. And they had heard about the emergency SOS system. Her phone was super smashed. The screen was smashed, but it was still usable. They used the satellite feature. And I was actually surprised because, you know, when you fall down a cliff or in a ravine, the mountains and the hills might block the signal. That's one of the factors that could be difficult. They tried to call 911, but obviously they couldn't. And then the whole prompt for for satellite, you know, SOS emergency via satellite showed up. They were rescued you know, it contacted relay centers, emergency specialists, and they were rescued via a helicopter. It's, I mean, that is exactly, if you look up the story, type in like uh, Los Angeles satellite iPhone, you'll see this, this cliff is scary. And thank God they survived too. I mean, it, they rolled over and landed on the top, but it's a you never want it to happen, but if it's there and it can freaking save your life, it, it did for this for these two young people. Also, a recent story that is kind of shaking up things for the iPhone and what could be the future of the iPhone. Apple is reportedly working right now to add support for sideloading and alternate app stores specifically in Europe. And that is, again to kind of get ahead of European legislation that will require Apple to support sideloading. Now, all these reports have been talking about it, and what is amazing is, right, we had just recently rumors and reports saying that, hey, Apple will finally be adopting USB-C across all of its devices. The iPhone has been kind of the last holdout, and reports say that in 2023, we will get a USB-C-based iPhone, and why do they do that? Because European legislation is requiring that change i think by like sometime in early 2024 well guess what european legislation once again is requiring the ability to to not have these dominant locked down app stores this is the european union's digital markets act um and requires gatekeeper companies to open up their services and platforms to other companies and developers. This obviously would directly affect affect Apple and it could result in Apple making more changes to like the App Store or Messages and FaceTime and Siri. I, I will say I'd like to see third-party Apple Watch faces. I'd like to see some of that. So this would allow customers to download apps without needing to use the App Store, which would also mean that... uh developers would potentially not have to pay Apple's 15 to 30% fees. But again, their own, this implementation is looking to only start for support in Europe. We don't have a timetable of when it happens, but it's likely going to be ready for iOS 17 in 2023. Now, think about this. If other countries introduce similar legislation, 
You could start seeing more alternate app stores that are beyond the European Union. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want malware scams and data tracking and all this and all this stuff. Okay, that's fine. I think, to be honest, is my mom going to find a third-party app on a website that she sideloads into her iPhone? I'm pretty sure that won't happen. You also have to look at how the Mac treats apps that are not downloaded on their app store. They basically give you a warning that this is a third-party app that is not from Apple, and it gives you the option to accept it or not. And so the report is maybe Apple could do something like create a paywall or some sort of ability to when a third-party app wants to be purchased, maybe, maybe, you know, the... These apps have to pay a fee to Apple to get access to their phone or not. But according to Bloomberg, Apple software engineering and service employees, they're working to open up key elements of their platform for this. They're using significant resources for the change. And also, internally, they're saying that there's a danger that these new updates may impact work on new features slated for iOS 17 because they're focusing on this. So we'll we'll see what happens. But that... That is huge. Would you ever think you saw the day where Apple would allow third-party apps and sideloading to happen? And who is giving people the iPhone they always wanted? We'll see if they like that or not. It's the European Union. USB-C. Sideloading third-party apps. Look, am I going to really do that? If there's a killer app that is safe to use and has a good reputation and gets a lot of buzz in the community, I could see myself doing it. And why not? But Apple's also working to potentially open up NFC in a limited way for um, Apple Pay alternatives, maybe opening up the Find My Network to accessory makers like Tile, right? Or offer access to APIs to third-party apps that maybe they haven't before to give developers like more core system functions and or access to the functions and hardware. This is a big deal. Uh, will it change most people's experience? Probably not. But again. This would be coming to or be opened up first to iPhones overseas that are under the rule of the European Union and their legislation. That's wild. The European Union is <laughs> opened up the iPhone. That's wild. Also, uh, maybe the European Union wants to open up the iPhone. Apple wants to open things up with NFL Sunday ticket specifically to their Apple TV Plus subscribers. So there's no solid plan for kind of the next digital carrier to solidify a deal with the NFL Sunday ticket package. Um, and that and might go all the way into 2023 before talks are resolved. This is a new report from Sportico. But negotiations for Sunday ticket have reached a very critical point with Apple being the front runner for the rights. I mean, it's been talked about that Apple has been the front runner for a long time. But the outlet Sportico says that the pricing on NFL Sunday ticket is the sticking point because Apple wants to include Sunday ticket access in their $6.99 a month cost for Apple TV Plus subscribers. And they don't want to throw on any additional charges. The NFL is saying, oh, we're not happy with this idea of you bundling it or showing up with a low price point because they want to protect the interests of CBS and Fox. Okay. This is really stupid. 
This is a very easy fix. So right now, the two networks paid the NFL $40 billion for the 2023 season. They don't want it to optically look like that, oh, Apple users are undercutting the TV networks. Well, here's the easy solution, which would probably be it. My assumption is that, okay, fine, Apple's own subscribers don't have to pay more, but maybe Apple pays the fee that, you know, DirecTV did their cut that they normally give to the NFL. Apple could pay that behind the scenes for each user. It would be the same. It's not like you're going to be watching games you uh, would get access to that you wouldn't. So like if you're watching a, a local game, there's blackout rules that apply. So NFL Sunday Ticket would blackout the local games that go on the local channels who are getting ad revenue when you watch the programming there. So... If this is just from the surface, the optics of it, like, oh, use NFL t- Sunday ticket for free on Apple TV. It's still not free. They're going to get their cut. Apple just needs to pay them whatever that fee is for the subscriber. If Apple thinks this is important to expand the ecosystem and in the long run, know that, hey, you get someone hooked on NFL Sunday ticket, which there are a lot of people hooked on it, and then they start buying Apple devices to use it with their services. That's a bigger win for Apple, and then you get them, well, you know how it is. Once you get in the ecosystem, (laughs) it's over. It is over once you're sucked in there. Look how many of us are sucked into it. And finally, an original Apple One computer that was hand-numbered by Steve Jobs. It's always got kind of like these fun stories of the history of Apple. It is sold for over $440,000 at an auction this month. Um, That exceeded the estimated $375,000 price tag. There are only just 200 Apple One computers that were made by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. This is back in 1976. It's believed that only roughly 60 to 70 remain. And this one was number 78, sold in working condition and restored into a working state by an Apple expert. So you get this letter of authenticity confirming that it was Steve Jobs' handwriting on the actual board of this Apple One. And it sold for $442,118. And then depending on the history of the machine, the condition, Apple One computers have sold for up up to $815,000 in the past So, hey, if you have one laying around, I sure don't. (laughs) Who does? They're 200. But that is an amazing piece of history. That that would be, I'd love to like see one in person and goof around with it. I think they have one in a few museums. But wow, that's some crazy history. So, hey, if you got the cheddar, I ain't going to judge. You do what you want, what you want with your money. Someone bought an Apple One for $440,000. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's show. Hey, big thanks to our platinum apples at the $100 level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, and Atari Koenigsegg. We are wrapping up the end of the year. We'll have another wrap-up show next week, but thank you so much for all your support. Remember, patreon.com slash Tong is one way to support, but there you have it this week. All the goodies for you. And remember, go to my YouTube, the music video, 
I mean, I'm really up really late because I'm kind of like amped up for the video. Uh, the the music video is going to be dropping in less than 12 hours and is going to be goo. I don't want to hype it up. I'm just going to stop. Just go watch it. Have fun. Take care. Be safe. And during this holiday season, enjoy the time with your friends and family and loved ones. And again, thinking of you all that this is not the easiest time as well. Um, giving you all a hug, a big e-hug, a podcast hug over the audio. Thinking of you all. And uh, thank you so much for your amazing support. So we'll continue to crank through the holiday season. And then, you know what? CES comes up in a few weeks. I'll be hosting that. So during that week, I probably won't have a show just because I'll be hosting it. It's going to be insanely busy. That's crazy. I'll be hosting CES for, what, the third year in a row? Man, feel so blessed. So take care, everybody. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.